Welcome to the Take 92 Podcast. My name is Sammy Warmhands. I'm your host. And today we're going to try something new. I'm going to have a live listening party. We're going to do live commentary, listening to the mixes of my upcoming album called Daydream. When I say we, uh, my friend Joel from the Sound Convictions website, music blog, uh, he was in town for a show and he came over afterward and we hung out and listened to the whole record, talked about it. So check it out. Do you know what time it is? No. It's time for my annual podcast appearance. Oh, shit. We've established precedent. Yeah. This is 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 great, spontaneous thing happening because I went to play at this show. You had kind of jokingly like, oh, you guys are going to do an illusionist reunion. I'm going to fucking... That makes me want to come. And I was like, yeah, it makes you want to come, but you're three hours away. You, you know, And I get there and you're fucking sitting there. Yeah. So we have that going for us. And then we have the, uh, we came up with this idea for the podcast collaboration tonight. And then we get here, we have a bowl of cereal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> together Nola. and talk. And, uh, and yeah, it's fucking, it's 2.15 in the morning. Yep. And, uh, and I got to drive home after this. Yeah. So the It'll circumstances are just. I'm in- way more awake than last time. So that's good. Well, yeah, I operate better at this time as well. Yeah. Um, so we talked about, um, you know, submitting the stuff to you to listen to. And, you know, I think your go-to is like, oh, well, what, you said, what's your deadline? You know, I was like, well, I don't necessarily need a review on this. I was just kind of, I'm curious as to what you think as someone who follows my music. Well, I, I, I told uh, that kid cry, our mutual friend. Tonight, the same thing. He mentioned a new project, yeah, and doing something. I was like, "What? When? Yeah, like how far out? You have to give me time." Well, it's good. I mean, cause we've we've done this a lot of times now, but in in this case, it's just such a different record for me, or at least for my recent output, that I'm kind of just curious to get people's initial reactions to it. So we're sitting there at the table, and and you had said. Well, if you want help, we could do the podcast together. And I was like, oh, that's that's an interesting idea, but I don't know what it would be if you haven't heard it yet. And then I thought, let's just do it like commentary style. So I've never done this before, but I'm gonna play the album for you for the first time, and we're just gonna we're just gonna talk about it. Yeah, well, I figured it'd be a little bit different from you know you talking uh, to yourself. Yeah, I was. I or was just prepared. Talking, talking at a screen. I was. And, uh, I was prepared to do an hour, uh, just just going for it. It's a little different is... when there's someone else there. It's sort of like uh, you know, if you see a movie or listen to an album or whatever for the first time. Yeah. And you, the way you really know how you feel about it is when you talk about it with someone who hasn't seen or heard it yet. Yeah. And then you like what the words that are coming out of your mouth at that point is how it sort of like completes the circle for me at least. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I was I was talking with my wife about that the other day that there was a certain, like when I was younger, my, my whole band would always hang out and we would go to a movie together, like the four of us, you know. Yeah. And then there was the hanging out outside because we were, we were young and we would need to get a ride. And so we would be hanging out in the parking lot talking about it. And, you know, I kind of missed that a little yeah. bit. So this album is... There's currently 11 tracks plus three bonus tracks that are remade versions from each of my previous Sam Wharton and Friends albums. 
So you may recognize those songs at the end, but all these other ones are new. Let's start it. First track. All right, let's up my, yeah, up the music a tad. Now this song is quieter. Because it's meant to be very lo-fi sounding. Yeah, this is a lot different from uh, most of the the guitar output you do. Yeah, and the reason that this song sounds the way that it does is because this was this is the oldest song in the record. Uh, it's from 2007, and I liked the sort of sloppy um, vulnerability of the original demo, and so I just I decided to render it through some plugins because I didn't have the master files. Yeah, and um, and, just, and and just keep it the original take. Yeah, why not? With the kind of out-of-time guitar playing yeah. and stuff. And that was my old Telecaster that I don't actually have anymore. But What did uh, uh, Desired Imperfection... Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a nice way of saying, like, flaws that you like. Definitely. This is the first real song. It's called The Machine. A friend of mine, Ryan Kojin, who recorded the Days in the Dark EP... Uh, this was written in 2009, right after Counterclockwise, and he said, man, you are a songwriting machine, referring to my output. Yeah, I've, I've said that too. Yeah, and I, and I wrote this song kind of about it. And a lot of these are originally... Um, I would demo them uh, oh, where'd play, that come from? Play all the instruments. Yeah. There's a lot of other layers in this song. The, the reason I chose to open with it is because it kind of sets the tone, um, but it also uses both my very low and my very high voices. Yeah. And the all falsetto oohs and ahs, you know, going on, because those are kind of things that will appear through the whole record, but there's a lot of songs that are just in my low register. A lot of songs are just in my high register, and I thought this one kind of encompassed all of it you know this reminds me of so many different bands that I can't think of <laughs> I, like, I can't put a name to this this song for me I can hear was was the greatest um, influence by by John Frusciante um, from yeah. the Chili Peppers because I I really uh have been significantly affected by his music and I think that yeah for a long time if I recall yeah yeah um, back in like 2003 when Shadows Collide with People came out and I realized he had solo music right after that he put out six albums in a year yeah and so I was just floored and just enamored with his output and so you can definitely hear the the, the influence on this whether in the guitar chords or the um He's the one who got me into things like uh, Beach Boys and Queen and a lot of these vocal textural things that I first heard on like Chili hey. Peppers By The Way. See, this is this part is what I would have expected out of you for this song. Yeah. 
and really we wait until the crescendo on that. Yeah. And actually, I, I'm really proud of some of the arrangements on this song because, like this one in particular, um, I have the little key change for the bridge and then the big oohs and ahs thing happening. There's a and lot then, going on. Then we're, we're in singing in the higher register and then come out of the key change because it resolves on G and I go back to the original low chorus a cappella. Now this one... What's it called? It's called Unconditional. And um, listen to the lyrics. And this is one of two more driving songs, like kind of upbeat rock songs on the album. Uh, and this one's about something I read in my mom's diary from before my parents got divorced. This makes me think of a... Um, did you hear um, Sex, Love, Rock and Roll, the, the Social Distortion album from like 2003? No, I'm not too familiar with their stuff. He... So Mike Ness, the singer, started getting, started going from writing these kind of like punk ragers to like getting a lot more personal. Yeah. And this makes me think of some like his songwriting style. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, this song, I um, I went through like a, a just a, a a three punch uh, cycle of bad news last year, and it was my grandma died, and my other grandma died, and then I found. Um, uh, my mom let me read through some of her old journals from the divorce for this documentary I was working on about addiction and kind of what my family had gone through. And um, I read these things, and it just... I stopped the documentary. I put it all aside. It was just very heartbreaking to read and, and learn some of these things that I didn't know. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that at some point, but that's another story. Yeah, and that's, that's a tangent. That project will still hopefully see the light of day at some point, but... Um, I, I stopped working on it for about a year now and um, this song was kind of my processing that and, and um, I did one acoustic show last year to try out some of these songs right after I had written them and um, this is one of them and I invited my mom to, uh, to be there to hear it you know, to see if it was too much or if it was whatever you know I didn't want to expose, you know, you don't want to out somebody right. for their experience just because you're processing it, you know. And um, I was able to write the first verse from her perspective of being attacked, basically. And the second verse uh, through my dad's perspective, who was, uh, you know, under the influence of various things at that time in his life. And um, and using a lot of the same phrasing and wording um, just just changing the perspective and so first verse and chorus is hers second verse and chorus is his um, and then kind of resolve it here um, at the end but uh, as much as it was also processing it it was kind of me giving a thank you to my mom for the things that she did to get me and her out of that bad situation and into a much better more privileged life really yeah, I'm, I'm I'm psyched to hear this one like yeah, full volume without me t talking over it. No, this but, is good um, though. Like, yeah, and and like this way... this little thing like layering the the verse over the final chorus. Like, these are a lot of little like songwriting or production tricks that I've 
I've wanted to use for years and years and years, and I've got to use a lot of them, you know, whether it's, you know, key changes or layering or callbacks or, or whatever. Um, and uh, it, it was, it's been really fun to put that stuff together. Um, last thing on that song, Unconditional, I gave it to my mom for Mother's Day right after I finished it. Aww. And she was really excited that she's like, not only is this song, like, cool because it's about me and whatever, but from when she heard it a year ago, now it's a full-blown, like, catchy rock right. song. And she's like, this is actually the kind of music I listen to. <laughs> so I had that going for me. So, uh, so far, what you told me about uh, some responses you've had to the few people who've heard this is... Uh, yeah, basically it's just a, Eric Munch, my It's essentially mentor. a... Um, this is essentially a pop album. Yeah, and I didn't really see it necessarily that way. It was just a lot of my different I, rock influences. But I think I, I, I might have come to that after a few listens. Yeah. This is why it's good to talk to other people about it. Yeah, yeah. And this song, I you know a lot of these songs were written on acoustic guitar. Um, this one I wrote, um, actually I wrote two songs after my grandma Sandy died last year, which was the second one in a row. And um, this song has little references to all kinds of things. Um about the people that I've lost, uh, the, you know, that I miss about them or whatever. Um, and right now I'm in the process of mixing and this one is finally starting to come together because I really struggled with how to get my low voice to cut through those big guitars, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, there's, um, I'm hearing a lot of social distortion That's interesting. in this album. I think it's funny, or, like... Or a lot of, like, Mike Ness, anyway. Because some of it reminds me of his, like, solo stuff, which is very, like, kind of uh, Appalachian folk. Oh, yeah, and this is the first, first guitar solo, but I, I definitely wanted to um, do a little bit more of that on this one. Just little simple things that, that add to it. You know, they follow the melody in a way... Um, and and just add another dimension to the song, another thing to the sonic palette. And you're saying so far all of these songs have big three-part harmonies on them. Yeah. You know? That was a um, nice short one there. And then this one is probably the biggest deviation. You, we're we're, we're encountering Cash. one of those Fugazi situations here again where you, you listen to a lot of people who listen to Social Distortion. Exactly. And Cash is one of my biggest influences, period. And so, uh, I've done a couple of these things, but not much. And this one's specifically about being at my grandma's funeral and looking across the room at my grandpa, who's standing there alone. I lost one of the sides. Oh, it, it'll happen from the, uh, just the cable oh, sucks. there it is. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just looking at him and having that realization that like you know we're all headed there at some point yeah this won't last forever till it's only me or you like it's just that and i'm i'm looking at all my family members who are on the, the pew with me in the church and it's just you know that realization that you know i'm um, this is a mortality song. Yeah, it there's is. A, there and seems to be a, a common theme here. And that's a little bit of the, like, hitting 30 and starting to realize, like, you know, 
I've lost people before, but it was always like fucking years and years apart. Now it's like, bam, bam, yeah. bam. It's like, oh, this is only going to keep happening with greater frequency forever now. Uh-huh. You know, and that was that was something I really dealt with last year. Isn't it weird? It seems like there's always just like the one year where just like everything comes down at once. Yeah. But that's also like... I, I don't know about you, but I I came out of that year for me, which was like 2006, uh, a lot better for it. I mean, as far as you know, what I learned about how I deal with things and how to better deal with things. I think that's true because I I was talking to my wife recently, and I said I I don't know what it is, but I feel so far removed from the guy who wrote B- Vacant Eyes and Bears Repeating and a lot of that stuff. I don't feel like that person or like I'm at that place in my life right now and she's like yeah you've honestly even when you have like a shit day at work you're still like I don't want to say optimistic I was like I know that's weird lively but but I think there's something about going through that last year and then you know also in that year you know having my my cousin's uh, son Mm -hmm. Aiden um, you know shoot himself and then going out and doing this tour the next day and, and really digging into that stuff with the fans and, and having all this dialogue about it. And I don't know, I just... Um, and these realizations about my mom, it's just... It, it's a feeling of gratitude, I guess, you know? And appreciating what I do have. And trying to make up the most of time, you know? Yeah, that's essentially what I uh, came out of it with. Yeah. Because I think in, you know, in your 20s, you take things for granted. Oh, of and course. You know, I'm a very idealistic person and I set, you know, big goals and I am very focused, obsessive sometimes on things. And I still am those things. But um, I'm not upset that I'm not in a certain place. You know, I'm I'm happy that I can make a record like this. And um, like what my my goal with this when I, I sent the rough cut to Eric Munch who's my, my mentor in, in, in studio production uh, from, from years and years ago and I lots I, of stuff about that in uh, Famous Last Words yeah in, in the book and I highly recommend it. I sent it to him just because I, I trust him and he knows me better than anyone really as far as my, my body of work and so I I asked him uh, mostly regarding the vocals which I'm still uncomfortable with when it's not rapping or screaming because I've worked really, really hard on both of those things for a long time. And this record has just slowly kind of been marinating song after song over a decade, but I haven't really been actively working that part of my voice, of my performance or whatever. And so I really took my time on these recordings and we, we, we did the drums last July or something and it's been a slow build ever since but I said to him I just put out Rare Forms it's probably the best rap album I've ever made I just put out Squalor that is definitely the best punk album I've ever made I I really need this to live up to that bar it needs to be quality so tell me right now are my performances good enough you know or should I go back to the drawing board and he's like no I think the vocals are great I think what you need to do is embrace the vocals and put him right out front and understand that this, this is a pop record. This particular track, what is this one called? This song is called Impossible, and it's it's a little bit of a, a remorseful kind of song. It's almost a conversation with my wife kind of uh, 
about the the decisions I've made to put my career ahead of everything and, and the situation that I'm still in that I thought would be temporary, you know. It's, it's saying, like, um, it's kind of just about the, the weight of, of all this on our lives, you know. Yeah, this one... Okay, so speaking of the vocals, the reason I asked was uh, this... This sounds more like what I expected to hear. Well, the interesting thing is that you say that. Um, this is... Is this one you were uncomfortable with? No, this is the newest song. So this is one after everything else was recorded. I was doing the vocals, and I was going back through my old iPhone memos, voice memos, and I found the chorus only. And I was like, oh my God, how did I overlook this? And so I, I recorded it, or I, I finished writing it and recorded it late for the record. This song you'll know. Okay. Yeah, sorry, it took me a second. Catch it? Yeah, this is Compact 56. Song's called Surface Wound. Whoa. And this is from 2002. Um, yeah. I first recorded it in 2008 on Stolen Songs, the original. Compact 56. Yeah. For context, and was a wonderful punk band. Yeah. From Eugene slash Portland. And and they they definitely gave me a big leg up when I was getting started. And this song always meant a lot to me. Um, and I remember just many times this song, like, uh, uh, this is a really interesting direction to take this. Yes. Um, and like I've it, never though. done this version. I've never done a full band version of this song, which is why it appears here again. Um, the drummer for this whole record is, oh, I began to say this about the machine. Um, when I demoed a lot of these songs, I would play all the instruments, and I knew how they would go, and I knew what the fills should be, and the timing, and whatever, you know. Um, and I brought him in because he's a very good player, and we have a very good chemistry, and we were in a band called Judo Pony. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. And that album never came out, but what I told him was, I'll, I want you and I to take these songs through the lens of Judo Pony and make that sort of a record with this. And so, you know, they're, they're, they're Gretsch guitars on this whole album. They're very mm -hmm. lightly overdriven. They're chimey. You know, it's kind of mid-tempo rock songs with, you know, there's really just vocal support, all of its vocal support, you know. And uh, he really helped me flesh these things out and make fresh versions of them through that kind of judo pony sentiment that we, that we really vibed on for so many years huh now this song um, I intentionally because he has such a, a scratchy desperation in his voice on, on the original yeah and I sing it very clean um, so this song I actually sang at um, like from, from like 7 to 8 in the morning um, at the end of a very very long vocal oh, on, session on purpose yeah just just so you were a little more wrecked. Yeah, so you hear on the certain lines when they're like, I miss you. You know, like you just hear these little cracks and edges that aren't um, normally present in my voice. And uh, I thought it would would be a little faithful to what he did with it, even through my different version of it, you know. I'm really wondering if my eyes are shifting based on uh, every time Louis 
walks across the court and that <laughs> knocks the the right channel out. Sorry, for a is it gone again? I'm just. I keep wondering if my eyes are shifting to which side it's on. <laughs> no, it's it's back. It's there. Okay. It's podcast gold. <laughs> I think you may want to lift that up a tiny bit. It seems oh. like it's sinking. Sorry, man. Again. No, you're fine. It's just that's a very heavy mic, I guess. Yeah, it is. Here, I'll just hold it. Okay, so well, you're gonna make some sound oh, shit. If, you, if you move on that. But all right, so this is a special yeah. song. I've never done something like this before. Um, this is uh, not a song about the departed, but it is a song. It's a collaboration with the deceased. This is I Tupac'd my grandma, if you will. Um, oh shit! So uh, I've talked about two grandmas who passed, but you know I was raised by a stepdad, and so um, my my first grandma who passed was actually in high school, and um, you know she was just a tremendous person, and, and I was lucky to know her, and, and um, you know I was a step kid, but that whole family treats me like you know one yeah. one of their own. I mean, since I was two years old, I've I've known these people, you know. And so it was very, it was a big loss. She was, I think, the first big loss of my life. And a few years ago, my cousin unearthed this poem that she wrote, like 50 years ago. Oh, shit. And he recited it. He put it in a little zine that he made for the family uh, with, with some of his literary work. And I was like, send me that, because I'm going to put that to music. Yeah. And I did, and it was very, I put it to acoustic guitar. And it was very like Jack Johnson kind of vibe that I didn't really think fit. But if you listen to this, I'm playing the exact same thing. But I told Ben when we were working these out together, I said, I don't like the... You know, I don't like that, that thing about it. I was like, can you help me come up with some different versions. And he's like, wait, no, you play the same thing, and I'm going to try a more experimental direction on the drums if you're cool with that. And so here it's more of a straight kind of shuffle, but in the verses, he's very much exploring every part of the kit and getting really creative with it. And I, he just really gave it a new life. Um, and I have my cousin Anna come in and do harmonies here. And... Um, I think it it came out as a, just a really nice collaboration overall. And I, I told my uncle about this song recently. I was I said, hey, do you remember the poem that Grandma Jean wrote called Almost? And he started reciting it to me. Oh, shit. He's like, yeah, I remember it well. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I, I made a song and it's finally finished. You know, I'm really happy for them to hear it. Um, now, Eric Munch commented on this song. It's called It Will All Be Over Soon. He said this was a surprise to him. Um, if you will, it's the only political-ish song on the record. But it's very much a conversation um, with some faceless uh, person who just embodies the 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 corruption and the you know I think this might have been written around the whole like Occupy Wall Street era of you know sure, okay. it's just that kind of mentality but it's weird because I normally have very like pacifistic lyrics but this the song I just liked something about it there's this big huge part where it gets bigger here soon um, 
right here. But oh, we'll over soon. Now listen to the words. I'm literally saying reach for the sky because I will not wait for you to die. <laughs> so it's pretty grim, especially coming off of these other songs that were kind of mourning the loss of people. But um, I just thought it was powerful imagery, even if I don't yeah. necessarily think that way. Um, no, it works. And and again, it's very like me having a discussion with a person. Well, um, it's a... It- it was a choice to service the song rather than yeah, and it's your, also like your, you know Sam's bullshit. The song has very interesting chords. Like when I was coming back to record this album and learning the demos, I had the most difficulty figuring out what the fuck I was doing in that song because through a little distortion, I, I was like, I've never used that chord voicing before. Like I I don't know what it is, um, but eventually I figured it out and it came out pretty cool. Um, this song I'm thinking of using for a single. It's called Draw the Line. That's the other more kind of upbeat, hooky song. Um, that's my friend Taylor on the harmonies. Since I'm using my low voice, I wanted to use him because he cuts. reminds me of um, one of the one of the early songs on Counterclockwise like one of the first three I don't remember which one hmm. it sort of has like it has a very similar feel interesting yeah this I'd one also has a couple order. interesting chords in it I wrote this after doing the John Frusciante Stolen songs a couple years ago um, because in doing that I had learned a couple new chords and I remember that timing because um, I was writing this song completely separate from that but there's this one part where I, I applied one of those new chord voicings and I thought, ooh, that, that's really tasty here. I, I, I really like that. Um, and then we go back into the big power chords right here on the pre-chorus. Um, I think it, out of all the songs that, that if people would expect the kind of record I would be making for, for a rock album, kind of poppy rock album, I think this would be it. Yeah. Because sonically it makes sense. Um, and also lyrically, it's very much, um, it's not quite squalor, dark or anything, but it's kind of that, um, stuff that I rap about sometimes struggling, yeah. you know, it, ha- it has your aesthetic to it. Yeah. Little key change bridge thing. Now, something worth mentioning is, um, I gave Eric Munch free license, creative license to, when I sent him these tracks a couple weeks ago, to add whatever, as he calls it, sprinkles that he wants. And now we go from the biggest part to the quietest part again. Um, Because I always like that stuff, because I grew up on Nirvana. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And here's that little There's a a little bit of that in, uh, in this album. Yeah, and so what you're hearing right now, we'll probably have a, a couple extra elements that Eric decides um, on, and uh, I look forward to hearing them. And here's a little key change, and then 
on the repeat. Ben chose to do a little halftime thing on the drums, which I really liked. Right here. And uh, he's like, what if on the key change we go to this slower groove the whole time? And I was like, ooh, I really like that. And then we played through it. I was like, ooh, that feels very like Travis Barker, let's break it down kind of thing. I was like, let's not do that. And we played through it one more time. I was like, you know what? Just do it for one bar or, or like, you know, one one phrase. And then it, it actually added a lot to it, I think, for the ending. Sure. Um, now, this is the, the, the title track. This is kind of my, this is my masterpiece, I feel like. I've been sitting on this since 2009, and I recreated it for this. So I'm going to talk less on this one. It's a slow build. I'll leave it at that. I wanted to use this for a single. But I thought with the short attention spans of the internet, the best way to sell this song is to sell the album and let them hear it in context. Because yeah. it's four minutes and... But... Every time this chorus comes in, it adds another dimension to it. Now here's where it gets interesting. From start to now, I didn't see any of this coming. Nope. Originally, the song was uh, shorter, but I wanted to build slower so I added this verse with the callback to the original but this guitar part was originally there too I always like the double yeah. double yeah. guitar vocal things that's another do. one I always wanted to do and never had a good place to do it yeah no this is this is working perfectly okay now of course coming back and got yet another layer to it With the guitar too. And seventh. 
that last one is the type of thing that you'd get a text from me like two months later like I just I just caught that this is a song you can get lost in just as a listener but I probably wouldn't have uh, yeah I probably wouldn't have caught that last uh, extra vocal layer so that song or just you know tangibly anyway yeah yeah that song has a lot going on in it and I, you know I was heavy into this is right after counterclockwise really I was, I was heavy into queen and, and pet sounds and and um I was listening to a lot of beatles and a lot of johnny cash and and somehow it was manifested in this this kind of folk it's like six eight folk song that incorporated these elements of like queen and brian wilson and yeah. took this unexpected turn and i thought it was really exciting um and uh, i remember my my stepdad he owns owns this, this house my parents do um where we've lived all these years and um he was over one day doing some yard work or some maintenance on the property and i walked out the backyard and i was like i think i just finished something really important <laughs> would you come and listen to it and i played him the demo and all these years later i remember it clear as day where he just goes don't change a thing it's perfect and i was like that's so like I felt so good you know yeah um, I felt like he was proud that I came up with that and um, I told him the other day I was like I finished this album and I can't wait to show you like the final finished like version because I did change it but I waited almost a decade to do it and I made it better for it because it's a slow burn now before that first little chorus went into one of those big guitar solo ooh and ah parts and I was like wouldn't it be great though if we just had one of those choruses with no backup vocals no crescendo it just builds up and then drops right oh. back down you know big register register change here in the song now this song is struggle this is from my first solo album sequel of me 2006 and i always thought it was just a really pretty melody and that record had a lot of issues with the vocals because i was, was, was currently in vocal lessons trying to change the way that I sing to, to be better for that record but but you can hear it all over it which makes it worse unfortunately mm. and so yeah. um, th this one I just really wanted to to endure because it's one that I've performed you know my acoustic shows to this day um, like this 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 stuff on the first record sounds very strained and very like over singing you know and now it's just really natural really easy huh. um, and I like all the falsettos in here I recently was... got a bunch of new plugins too that allowed me to kind of bring up those falsettos and make it more clear so you know how some songs when you, when you write acoustic like you're like you know what I'm not going to touch this yeah. this is just going to stay an acoustic song yeah adding, adding anything would be like overproduction that one that one felt like something you'd want to add I'm, I'm imagining playing it acoustically and playing thinking, no, this one, this needs a band. This one? Is this still the same song? Struggle? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, this one. Yeah, definitely. And I can't remember, I think most of those songs were written on on acoustic. I don't, I don't really recall at this point because those were written in 05. But, um, and then this one is from Days in the Dark. This one was intended for Counterclockwise, but I got the opportunity to record Days in the Dark. And so... I. I had to fly out there with just my guitar and no other 
musicians or instruments, and so I played everything solo. But this was always meant to have a band like this. Um, and this song being the closest to what Judo Pony actually did, I thought it would be perfect for me and Ben to play. This was actually the first one I sang for these recordings. I've had a couple people tell me that this song, like at, at shows when I would play acoustic, that this song meant something to them or this is their, their favorite song of mine or something and I, I always felt like it deserved a better shot. All the songs were so new when I recorded them, it was just... It, yeah, they hadn't been road tested yet, you know, you don't, you don't know the ins and outs of it yet. Some of these songs you notice I sing very, very softly. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the way I get the best control out of my voice on some of these, you know. I have a, I have a strong low register, you know, for those country cash songs. Oh, I yeah. have a stronger high register that I can belt them out. But in the middle, um, I know that that's my, um, uh, it's not my strength. And so I'll uh, sing it with a much softer touch and try to control my air a lot more and it just makes everything a lot cleaner I think um. don't mind me over here yawning it's not it's not the music yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's your couch it's I blame your couch for last time it's pretty comfy that's Ben Arp's couch fun fact from uh, yeah this day's end boy yeah this thing just you just sink into the floor <laughs> it's super comfy Normally don't do 3 a.m. podcasts, but eh. nobody's on my schedule. <laughs> That's true. Anytime you ever feel bad about going to bed at 6 a.m. or whatever, yeah, you'd be like, "Oh, well, it's Joel's, nice. I can Joel's text going you. to bed at like, you know, 11 in the morning." I like texting Evan when I'm going to bed and he's getting up for work. It's like, <laughs> "Oh, it's 5:30. I bet I can send him this lyric I just wrote, and I'll get an instant response." That song, has, you can hear, has a, like a tremolo on all the guitars, which was a thing we did a lot in Judo Pony. I wanted to use it on that song in particular. Now this one's from Counterclockwise, but we had an acoustic guitar, upright bass, um, a guest, guest vocal and a harmony, and no drums. And I don't know why I did that at the time, but I always regretted it. And so I wanted to do a fully produced version of this song as well. Um, because I think I think it got strong verse lyrics, especially. This just this makes me think of one of the first things I thought of when I came across your stuff, which was uh, like most of the stuff you write has a very like intense feeling to it. Yeah. Um, it was the first thing I. I for, for the in, intents of, of this conversation, the first thing I ever heard of yours was your decline cover. Yeah. So that's so that was like my context for you. Yeah. And then acoustic no effects guy. Yeah. And then I heard bears repeating. Big jump. And I was like, wait, huh? <laughs> here's this guy doing that song. Here's a song about how he doesn't want to have kids, and here's a song with you know about with Mike Shank talking about killing himself. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this is like a whole 
different thing. Like, oh, this guy had a hardcore band. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? And then, and, you know, and then, you know, the, the Sam and Friends albums. It's like, oh, geez. So, you know, like, it, it took having having to hear all of them and give, like, a full context for me to be like, okay, now I kind of get what this guy does and, like, yeah, how, I feel, how he works. I feel bad for anyone who comes in this late in the game and starts going, yeah. wait, where did this come from? And then starts digging back, like, oh, my God. I, this is gonna take forever. I, I keep I keep thinking how funny it would be for some this this album to be somebody's first, you know, yeah. their their introduction to you. Yeah, well, and it, be like, oh, what was the last album you put out? Oh, here's Squalor. Yeah, you know, well, it's weird. because... It's a little different. I I think that um, I scream the whole time. This this album is weird because uh, m- much like Squalor, I haven't put out a record by this name in this style in years. Aside from the covers, I think the covers might help because those are in the name Sam Wharton being friends. Yeah. Um, but there's not a lot of... Is that the end? Recent, yeah, that's the end. All right. There's not a lot of recent precedent for me, me doing this. And so I, I've gone onto the assumption this whole way that not many people will hear this or, or be looking for it. And therefore... Uh, you know, pretty pretty low stakes, and I can just do whatever I want. I mean, I always do anyway. But I was gonna say, it sounds like you on every album. I mean, you you see what I mean, though. Like, I I don't think this will have my widest reach. But then it started to occur to me uh, just the other day. I said to my wife, uh, maybe maybe I got this wrong because on some level, this is the most accessible music I've ever written. I really yeah. think you know. I think. Um... Yeah. Okay. I'd probably go with that. I was gonna say, "Famous Last Words" is probably the the most accessible as far as like. Sure, but I, I guess I'm thinking in terms of like generations. You know, like there's a oh, lot. Oh, of... this is something you could play for your mom. Yeah, like there's a lot of fam. Right. Oh, I mean, my mom likes. You know, she. Just... I mean, we're going to rise against the, next month. You, you know, know, like the but, the, but... the figurative your mom. Yeah, exactly. But because there's there's a lot of uh, family members for. Uh, years would you know ask me like oh you're uh you're going on another tour this summer you know or or you you just put out something how'd that go whatever you know and i tell them about it like oh cool but they would never come to see a show or they would never actually buy the album you know or listen to it or anything and i and i feel like um this is the type of record that you know the the figurative anyone could appreciate on some level you know, there's yeah. there's punkier aspects, there's folky aspects. It doesn't get country too even anything, but it's not necessarily a safe album either. Yeah, and I like counterclockwise was polar opposites, constantly shifting. It was very melancholy, infinite sadness. Like like let's see how far I can push it in that direction and this direction. And you know, there's there's yeah, reggae it, it, and it, yeah, it, it hardcore sounds, and um, you know, it's it's it sounds like you tried. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it th- that in a bad way. Well, it wasn't... It, the but thing it, is, it, it, I had reactive. all these fucking songs, and I didn't necessarily know where they were going to go. And I thought, you know what? Let's just re-record them all together and just fucking put it out as one big thing. Like, why don't I just have something that, that embodies all the different styles I love? And so that was the, the process of that album, and, and it was the last time I ever did one, and I think it was probably a good place to leave off because... You know, it did touch on all the little things that I was doing at that time in my life. And then I said, okay, let's, you know, let's focus on this other style. So, you know, I, I have been. 
and and revisiting it feels this feels more consistent. There oh, are yeah, there absolutely. are, you know, little twists and turns, but there's nothing so abrasive really. Yeah. There's the contrast isn't that drastic on this one. Yeah, this is a Thank you for letting me come over and listen to this and talking cuz something like this for me is a little difficult to to write about. Yeah. Because it's it's not so specific into, you know, you know, like like you give me squalor and like okay, so this is like a traditional hardcore, hardcore punk record. album. Yeah. You know. So like automatically I can get everything else out of there and just focus in on like okay, here's like Let's just go right back to the beginning of this with like, you know, minor threat and black flag or whatever, and like go yeah. on to you know, to now. Or if you send me a rap album, I, you know, I I can go, I can I can like zero in on like, what I know about this type of thing and, there's, there's and work context from it. Whereas, for it. But this yeah. is like is so open. Yeah, and I wanted it to be a little bit experimental, um, you know, but mic. but really have the. I think I think the songs just have a lot of heart, and I'm hoping that that comes through above all, you know. And we, we really took great care to make sure that the production was good. I should shout out Milo Fultz on the bass, because again, I had done all the drums and bass on the demos, and um, I felt like I was going to be so focused on the production that it would be yeah. That was Tucker, my cat, in the bass drum. Um, but I th I thought that I would be so focused on on the production aspects and and so many hats I had to wear that it would be best if I just got a really great drummer for this particular style of music and a, and a really versatile bass player who could take some of the lines I had done and and build off of that and come up with some more like complementary counter melodies and stuff and yeah and uh, he he really did an excellent job they both did. Um, but, you know, normally on a record like this, I'll play as much as possible because it was my idea and I know how it should be, you know. Yeah. But in this case, uh, well, and some of those records were also a little bit jarring, like Counterclockwise was maybe more jarring than it should have been because I could have just said, uh, you know what, Gabe, I want you to play the whole album of drums, you know. But there's like five drummers on that album. And there's right. like, you know, some songs I play all the instruments, some songs I I don't, and it, it constantly switches. So it was a fun collaborative process, but, um, or like Stolen Songs too is another good example of like, I use that process on that album and there's some really great standout tracks, but then there's some that just sound a little different. And so uh, the consistency of having the same players recorded at the same time, uh, I think kind of glues it together, even though there are those stylistic. No, it, it's this one sounds very cohesive. I'm glad. Like that, that was, and I and I really know, even with pay you telling me a lot of the songs like were, we talk about. Oh yeah, you know, uh, because like like the first country song, the one that's actually in the body of the album, there was only one possible song that it could have come out of, and that was that song on the way, because they're both kind of melancholy, you know, uh, morning songs or whatever, yeah. but also they were both. Um, uh, even though On The Way is more of a rock song, you could hear how it was played on acoustic guitar originally, I think. You can hear the bare bones of it. And there's also lyrical ties between the two. Um, 
you know, like the chorus of Time Enough is, please don't leave me. They've taken all I know. Please don't leave. I can't make it all alone. And in the pre-chorus of On the Way, it's like, I wonder if it's easier when grieving every time because it feels like you're leaving me behind. So I wanted those two next to each other thematically as well, but that was one of those where it was like, how the fuck? Because even once I had that segue, I didn't know how to get out of it until I had written Impossible. And I was like, oh, thank God I have another acoustic song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no, that, that all flowed real well the first time. You know, Sweet. From what I can tell within my, you know, between talking. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's not like the most focused listen. No, no, this is, but it's, but see, I, this is a cool experiment. Yeah, I'm... Because I, I haven't heard it. I've done a listening party one time. I For Stolen Songs 2, I had some friends over, like the people who played on it and, and just some, some friends of mine. And we all listened to it and hung out. And, and that was kind of neat, but I've never um, sat down and done like this... Like, immediate, you know, one -on -one immediate thing. feedback. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of fun, but um, yeah, that's that's the record. I've got all the the artwork done. Um, just it need looks to great. Finish the mix and yeah, I can't um, I can't wait to hear the final, the final one where I can turn it up in my car. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty close. I'm I'm not sure when this is going to come out yet, but I'm thinking it might be in conjunction with my fall tour. So give me a little time to figure out what I want to put out first. I think I think I will show people draw the line today on the podcast because um I think anyone who's who's familiar with my recent output will will find that song the most relatable as as far as what's on this album. And uh have an idea for a video for a different song. Um as well. So we'll see how it plays out. I'm still kinda of putting it together. Uh we had the the, the polarities release today oh man um, for that, cerebral cortex that was um, that was something yeah you want to hear something fucked up sure so like i'm not the type of person who just like goes up and introduces myself to people mm -hmm. yeah i introduced like, you to a lot of people who were well it's more just standing like, there I, I i am if i have like zero involvement but if i have like any involvement in what they're doing i'm not like hi i'm you know some like this is you should know me from yeah you know, I'm the guy who premiered your album. Yeah. So I actually didn't talk to him all night. You didn't talk to Cerebral? No, no not at all. Really? No. I even sold a couple of his albums. Oh, no. Because I was hanging out back behind I introduced thing. you to, like, K.I., and I didn't introduce yeah, you to him. No, I, I didn't. I'm just not the, like, what am I supposed you to You should say? have told me. No, I... I didn't know. So next time. That's fucking funny. Yeah, well, I was, I was just thinking, like... That's a that's what, totally but, something like, I, I mean, would okay, do. Okay, but, like, put yourself in my position. No, I like, get having it. Somebody, I, I have somebody, you know, you've never met, like... How do I introduce myself there? No, I I totally get it. I totally get it. It'd be it'd be odd. I mean, just tonight, a, 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 an old friend of mine who used to host a weekly uh, at Diablos. His name's Julian. He comes up to me and he's like, "Hey, man, I've been here all night. I saw your set. Like, you keep walking past me because he's kind of near the the yeah. hall to the bathroom." And I was like, "Oh, sorry, man." He's like, "You know, we're doing this uh, we're doing this cipher thing at my place again. We're gonna barbecue. You should come." Yeah, thanks, man. But like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't go out and do things. You know, I don't, I don't yeah. like, I don't like you, to. You're a homebody. Yeah, and and I was like, man, really though, because it was kind of hanging in the air, and there was, there was a silence, and I was like, yeah, really, you know, I I, I like to see my friends, you know, at, at shows or or you know when we're when we're working on a song together, a record, or, you know, podcast or something. It's hard for me to to get to those sometimes, and you know. And he kind of looks at me. He's like, 
you know, there's not going to be a lot of people. It's like, it's invite only. And, you know, it's just our, it's just our friends, man. It's just us. Yeah. 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 I know. I mean, like, like last time, like I was home. I could have gone, but I was like, uh, these songs aren't going to mix themselves. You know, I just, I got to work on this. I'd, I'm more comfortable in here. And, and he's hey, like, dude, is... dude, really though, you should come and recharge your batteries. And, and we all rap together and maybe you'll get some new idea and you'll go home and write that song. And I was like, yeah, not everybody's batteries recharge. It's a pretty way. good idea. I mean, he's, he's right though. I, I do like seeing, you know, my friends in these situations, you know, it's, it's just a matter of getting there. Well, I have Usually. like, I have like my skate friends. Yeah. Who like don't know where I live. Yeah. You know, who I've known for like 20 years. <laughs> you know, never met my family. Yeah. They just, we just call each other and be like, hey, it's Sunday morning. Let's go skate. You know? And, and like, that's, I've that's never, cool. I've never had a meal with them. <laughs> you know, we I mean, just, tonight's we just a go great skate example. together and that's like our relationship. And we cannot see each other for five years and it just goes right back to where it was. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome to have that. Um, and I, I, I feel like I have even become that way with people I was closer with, you know, at some point, because I'm just so set in my routine. But even tonight is a great example, because anytime I have a show that's like a one-off local show, I'll be eating dinner on my couch and going, what, why do I want to leave this? <laughs> I, don't, I don't, there's nothing about putting on my shoes and going out side and driving across town and going to a big noisy place where they serve booze and not, none of this sounds like i don't want no i don't want, i don't want to do that is he is he pissing yep totally oh my is. god oh my fucking god lewis i can't fucking believe it <laughs> you ready to wrap this thing up? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, hey, no worries. <sighs> okay. Um. Hey. <laughs> so, um, anyway, appreciate you um, listening to the record, talking with yeah, me about it. Yeah, of course. It. Um, I do want to touch on the the event tonight, if you don't mind, real quick. Oh, absolutely. Um. Tonight was the last of a five-year run that the Architects had hosting shows at a local club called Lucky's, and it used to be a weekly called Private Stock, and two years ago it turned into a monthly called Second Nature, and it's really been just a, a great home for anyone, local artists of of all levels and, and experience, and touring artists of all you know sizes and experience as well you know you can catch you know little guys out there like me coming through from different parts of the country or you know we've hosted abilities and blueprint and mike and nine and open mike eagle and yeah man i'm really um, glad i was able to make it to one yeah it, it, it's it's just really been a, a a special place and and tonight we had a lot of people that um as I said to you earlier, my first rap show was in like 2008 at the Samurai Duck. And, you know, there was the Architects, 
there was Lomo and Asol and MacNut and and all the Overflow crew that had the cipher at that time and and you know then it, it moved to Diablos and then uh, this thing lived on for so long here at Lucky's it's just been a a, a privilege for everyone involved and and um, for for them to allow me to participate in the way that that I did where if if they ever had a, a a great headliner coming through, you know, if they had dark time sunshine or something, they would call me up and ask if I wanted to play. And, you know, conversely, if, if, uh, somebody had hit me up and I was bringing somebody through, um, I could always call them and they would say, it's all yours. You got it. Do whatever you want to do, you know? And, and it was just, it was, it was a great thing and we needed it. And I'm sad to see it go, but it was a great night and a good farewell. Yeah. The uh, the cherry on top that got me to drive down here was a uh, uh, little illusionist reunion set. Yeah. That was really cool. I never thought I'd get to see that. Yeah. That was, um, you know, the other day we had had the four-year anniversary of Death of a Salesman. just popped up in my... Um, I have reminders on my phone of when each of my albums came out. Yeah. And um and I thought, fuck, it's really been a long time since we've actually played a show and I, I thought, well, I'm just going to be trying out some new songs. Maybe I'll ask Evan if he wants to get together again and 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 do a song or two. And when we got together, it was just like, ooh, let's do this one. Ooh, let's do this one. Ooh, let's do this one. And and before long it was like, okay, Let's do six songs, and I'll just do three. <laughs> and, uh, Perfect. So we we did a very uh, ill-heavy show tonight, but I think it was fun. I still got to try out a new one in the beginning, and then um, wanted to start reintroducing myself. And then, you know, for anyone who didn't know, maybe scratch some heads like, but that's an illusionist song. And yeah. Evan's over there and just bring him up during the break. You know, I thought that was kind of a fun way to do it. Um, it was cool to play some Death of Salesman stuff. And we even went all the way back to Death Proof. When we were going through beats and, and Capital Still came on, I was like, oh, I'm not down with some of the stuff I say in this song. But if we just, if we don't say fag, I think we can, I think... Uh, it's a badass song like let's just do it and so so we cut out the 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 word that i've learned not to say and then um it's got that great mic passing thing that one mic one man one word goddamn this kid's got skill these beats are chill we're ill like that whole thing was yeah. so much fun to do live and we didn't do ain't my concern which was generally the 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 mic passing favorite um so to throw that one in there was really fun to play a good old one. And uh oh and then we tried out that new song. And KI actually came up came up to me afterward and he's like, dude, like that that is the direction. Like keep doing that shit. Yeah. Like Look, maybe maybe the world needs a new <laughs> illusionist album at some point. Yeah, man. I mean we've uh, maybe in like five more years. <laughs> who knows? That we've got we've got half a dozen songs. Um that are that are recorded they just um in various various stages of completion um so i've 
I've wanted to to put out the the unreleased stuff and just do a like you know this is really it guys kind <laughs> kind of release. Uh, I've got like forty unreleased songs, but I yeah. wanted to, I would think I want to focus on the ones that have been recorded since Death of a Salesman, which are the the better ones, you know. Yeah. Um. So I I don't know. Well, I'd like to hear them. In fact, while I was in Minneapolis for Soundset. Recorded a bunch of songs with Carnage, and he finally recorded his verse for the Showstoppers theme uh, from 2013. Uh, that was the tour we did for Death of a Salesman, and uh, so so that's that's finally done. That was actually the last song that the Webb produced before he left the group, and uh, so that'll that'll probably see the light of day, one way or another, whether it's through Carnage or through through us, but. Uh, that song we played on tour a lot of times and then never got to to put on a record. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's the cerebral play, nice big cipher at the end of the night. That yeah, good cry came out. Yeah, and and you know, cerebral's been running this thing by himself for the last two years, and so to have this kind of centered around him for once was really nice. You know, be it his band or or the album release. You know, we that spent a long really time cool on the... to see his sister up there. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Normally, I can't stand being around uh, other people uh, who have my same name. It's very rare, but I find it confusing, you know? <laughs> like, if there was if there was three of us right now, and there was a, a second Joel who came in afterward, I'd oh. be like, we're going to call you something else, because I don't fucking like that. I, I would I would have to respectfully decline that, that it, conversation. Yeah, I, I'm not... I'm not a fan of those situations, and yet when she came here and first opened her mouth, I was like, "Oh my God, you have the voice of an angel!" <laughs> like, yeah, that was like uh, she has this. That was something. It, it reminded me of like this young girl Alessia Cara, who's a, like a Def Jam artist, um, and almost a little bit of that kind of that new style that's like post Lord, with the kind of breathy yeah. like I don't know. It's just so um, it's just moving the way she sings. It's 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 soulful in a subtle way. And tonight, seeing her go up there and do that song from Polarities was was great because I love that song. But then when she stayed up with the band, she did the Fugees. Mm-hmm. And then she did Amy Winehouse. And that was the curveball. Like, I, I, I ran outside to talk to her afterward. And I was like, look, you know I like what you do. I'm a fan of the song that we did. But uh, I'm such a huge Amy Winehouse fan. And I've, I've never come close to seeing her in any context or even seeing someone perform any of her music yeah, ever. Yeah, her stuff doesn't really get touched by most people. Yeah, and, and seeing it done and seeing it done so well, um, I was like, man, I, I ran up there and I started filming it and then and, uh, at, at the end of it, I just put down the camera and just closed my eyes. I was like, I was starting to get emotional. Like it was, uh, I don't know, it was really something something special. Yeah, that was kind of surreal. Yeah, and and at fifteen years yeah, old, for like this little I mean, blonde fifteen year old. God, gal. she's yeah, she's a great talent, and uh, I I look forward to seeing what she does as as a songwriter. You know, I know she she does play with some some folks. I've seen like uh, Cerebral post something of her performing on the radio station or at an open mic or whatever. So I'm really looking forward to see what she does, but. Um, that yeah. was a good night all around. I was glad that KI hosted because KI has always kind of been it was Boy, the joke that, that like a beast. It it was always a joke that like if you look at the Lucky's website, 
uh, you know, on Wednesdays it said KI and the architects, you know, it was all because he set it up originally. And so it had that on there. It sounds like a joke he'd make. And, 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 but it was always like a thing that, you know, he, he would host the things. Um, so he was always the guy up front, you know, and so to have him come back and, and do this last one was cool. And just owning people in the cipher at the end, I was like, yep, that's oh, how it should man. be. Yeah, no kidding. That's how it's always been. <laughs> except, except, uh, Eb One wasn't there and Ogar Burl wasn't there. I think both of those guys always add a lot of, uh, flavor to the cipher. But we had the live band Analog Monday, and they added their own flavor to it, so it was still it was still really special. Yeah, man, that was that was super fun. I'm really glad I came. Well, thank you for making the drive yeah. and for hanging out with me. Um, we should probably wrap up because yep. it's three thirty, and you gotta yep, go home, gotta, and then I gotta go to work. I'll be in able the to make a pretty good time right at this moment, but yeah, not a lot of competition on the road. No, which is really the benefit of yeah. uh, being a night owl. There's no one bothers you at home, yeah, and then when you do go shopping, out, oh yeah, the midnight the grocery. Oh, we go at we go at ten o'clock because it's not like inconveniently late to leave the house, but there's nobody fucking there yep. except all the stocking the aisles, which yep. sucks. But uh, if, if you don't if mind you the wanna, stocking, then if you want to fight inanimate objects versus people. I'd go for inanimate objects. Yeah, totally. And and one of my friends who uh, he was a drummer on my Smashing Pumpkins stolen songs. Uh, he's one of the stalkers. And so whenever we're there nice. cramming our cart through all the piles of boxes, um, he'll always poke his head out and bullshit with me for a minute. So anyway, late night grocery shopping, everyone. Do yeah. it. If you have a Winko Foods in your area, seriously, the twenty four hours. Yeah. Take advantage. Take full advantage. Yeah, you'll so never like go three back in the morning. You can just cruise around; nobody's in there. Yeah, if you go to the the grocery store at, you know, six o'clock ever again, it'll feel like you're at a it, fucking like music festival hour. or something. Yeah. It'll feel like what the fuck did I just walk into? Because it's usually a ghost town, and I love it. Yeah. All uh, right, man. Yep. Thanks for playing me the album. Thanks for listening. Let's get out of here. All right, that is our show. Um, I hope it was good for you. I felt nervous about showcasing the whole thing before it's even coming out, but I think that, uh, you know, it was it was buried and we did a lot of talking, and I mostly just wanted to give context as to where this new or different style was coming from. So, as I promised, I'm going to give you a brand new track. This is called Draw the Line. You can hear it in all its full volume clarity. Another big mistake, another obstacle, another reason why it feels impossible. I don't want it anymore. Another episode, another misdirect, the good and bad always intersect. Why the hell am I so depressed? Cause you say I am pro-
second chance Another disappointment of circumstance I can't take this still listening i hope you noticed yesterday we started the pre-order for a new record called move on for my friend eb one from the architects and i produced the record i'm featured on a song you can check out the title track move on right now it's at eb1.bandcamp.com that's e-b-b-o-n-e.bandcamp.com check it out 